Our guest today is the editor-in-chief of the three magazines you see behind me. Steve Hewitt is here to tell us what's hot in technology. It is time for our annual What's Hot and What's Not podcast with Steve Hewitt, editor-in-chief of three Christian computing magazines, three different Christian magazines. Steve, you look a little different this year, and you said you were only going to talk about it if somebody asked you. So why do you look different? I've really been burdened about the nation in general, but particularly the church. I mean, the statistics just continue to depress me. Only 15% of our churches are growing now, and only 5% of our churches are actually growing from new conversion experiences. Two-thirds of the churches that are growing are simply getting members from other churches that are dying, and 80% of our churches are stagnant or dying, and it just continues to depress me a little bit. And in January, sort of like a fast, except I'm not good about skipping food this long, I decided to no longer cut my hair or my beard, to remind me each and every day about my burden for the church in America. So, till that Lord tells me otherwise, I'm gonna get worse looking every time you see me. So Steve, I attended your What's Hot class. It was packed again this year. So what's hot this year in technology? Well, some of the things that were, were hot are the fact, for example, that digital transfers from mobile devices was double what it was in 2013, uh, is what it's, in 2012 to 2013, predicted to double again. So it just shows again that what's really hot is mobile uh, and tablets in that direction versus what we might traditionally think of a PCs and, and, and notebooks. I think I had more what's not hot this year with social media and uh, the way Facebook is being pushed on many churches and yet it's not the solution for mass communication. Same is true, true for Twitter and a lot of the, uh, uh, you know, what's hot is to understand why those social media things are working and what's not hot is to don't try to use them for mass communication. They're simply not designed to do so. And you talked in the class about some of the companies, the major technology companies. Of those companies, which ones are hot and which ones are not? The three biggest companies in technology are Apple and Microsoft and Google. Microsoft and Apple, in my opinion, are both on their way down. I mean, Microsoft's been on their way down for a long time. I've been warning in my, in my sessions for years, be careful what you buy and be careful putting all your eggs in the basket of Microsoft because they're going down. This year is the first year I've really started to say the same thing about Apple. With jobs being gone, I'm not convinced they're going to continue to be a leading technology company. Uh, their last operating system had multiple updates to try to fix problems, kind of like the old days of Microsoft. My company to follow, if, if they're doing anything, is Google. I mean, Google's leading in uh, interface computing, uh, visual interface, just in everything. If you watch, Google's not perfect. They've made some mistakes. But if Google's doing it, I perk up. I'm interested. That's the company to follow to see where we're going in technology. Steve, you said that Google owns a company now or bought a company called Calico. Can you tell us a little bit about what that company is doing and who they're focusing on. One of the reasons I love Google is all the things they're doing. And one of the things they're doing, you have to dig a little to find out, but they, they bought a, a company called Calico. Now, they didn't want to call it Google, but it is 100% owned by Google. So Calico is Google. Calico is sort of the vision. That company is going to specialize in technology for the aging. They recognize that the mass of America is 50s and 60s, and that technology is not for the cutting edge toys for young people, but to really develop technology for an aging populace in America. And that's why the, the, the president of General Motors last week said that Google is their biggest threat. They're really seriously concerned because Google's leading the way in new cars. And in about eight years, we'll probably have cars reasonably priced on the market that will be driverless. You can get in the car, say, I wanna to go to church, I wanna to go to the grocery store, 
my aging parents can no longer drive and I see the handicap that is for them. I don't believe I'll have to look forward to that. I believe as I get older and it's getting dangerous to drive or when you got a 16 year old, it's a little dangerous for them to drive, you can get a driverless car and I think they'll be reasonably priced. That and a variety of other stuff. They're developing technology that does powerful stuff with even simpler commands so we don't have to learn new technology. That's a great future. I think Google's right on on that. Steve, you said that people may not believe it right now, but we are going to be wearing Google Glasses and not too far in the future. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Google Glass is visual interface computing, and it's it's really where we're going to go. We, we already have, in a sense, with the smartphones, location devices, um, and Google Glass will simply project a screen out here to everywhere I look. It'll always be available, and I'll be able to access information to it. Google Glass has limitations right now. It's expensive, and it's depending upon voice commands. I think down the future it sounds a little science fiction, but 10 years from now, you'll actually be able to think your commands, and Google Glass will respond. And it's going to change the way we do everything. And yes, they make Google prescription glasses now. They make Google contacts that can be in your eyes for five hours. Um, it's expensive, it's a little out there, it's not a, a, re, a, a like next year we're going to see it, but within 10 years that visual interface computing will totally revolutionize the way we compute. It'll be ridiculous to be carrying around a tablet or a smartphone. Steve, you said there's a communication collapse that may be somewhere in the near future. Can you explain what you mean by that? This is really my personal opinion. I have done some reading. I can't quote some people. There was a study at Stanford and I think Cambridge University that said that in two years that's going to be a huge collapse that, that social media will be lose 80% of their audience, Facebook and Twitter, because it's becoming so ineffective. It, it's like, how many people follow me on Twitter? You're not getting any communication from anybody. Facebook is now the same way. Um, and we're, we're like blogging everything. People are repurposing everybody's blogs, following five people alone that were consultants to the churches. In one week, they gave me like 140 blogs I'm supposed to read in five business days. It's ridiculous. Uh, and people are actually starting to withdraw. People are starting to just get overburdened, overwhelmed. Um, e-book. E I got an e-book this week from a company trying to market to churches. The e-book was one page. It's ridiculous. That's not a book. I mean, we, we've gone so far in short, fast, quick, so much that people are actually going to start pulling away and withdrawing. It's going to be more personal communication age. I'm only going to want to hear from my friends and, and people that really matter to me. I'm, I'm going to cut off. And there's people now pushing that everything should be content. If you sell shoes, you should be blogging every day about something. No, you should be selling shoes. It's not all about content and we're overburdening it and there will be a collapse and a pull away, I think. Steve, my favorite magazine used to be Christian Computing Magazine, but now it is officially the American Church Magazine. That is a great magazine. I enjoy reading that every month cover to cover. Can you tell us a little bit about that magazine and what you're trying to accomplish with it? It came out of a burden. About a year and a half ago, I started the American Church Magazine with a very small number of readers and it's grown to over 10,000. We're hitting a niche, I think, of people who are just also concerned about the church. With all this information, what should we do? So we've reported the negative, but we also put the positives. We're looking for examples of what really works for churches. Like this last month, I found a little country church, a small town, not close to a metropolitan area at all. Town is running 1,200, and they're running a total ministry, 700 people a month. And they've actually incorporated and taken over four other little churches in other towns. Um, they're doing something right, and that's really exciting to see some churches that are making it. It also reflects the fact that these other churches around them are dying. Uh, but that's kind of the stuff we're reporting. We're reporting positive 
things that churches are doing, what works, what doesn't work, and we're really trying to encourage the pastor. We've had articles, for example, it's okay to pastor a dying church. I mean, don't be, 80% of our churches are, are, are pastored by people that are discouraged. We need to lift them up and, and, you know, we've got a change going on, and the American church is trying to stay on top of that. Steve, you always wrap up your class with the rant. So if you would kind of abbreviate that just a bit and share that with our viewers. Yeah, because I had two really short ones. One is we need to be able to disappear in America. And I use that word because that's exactly the word that Great Britain just did. They passed a law that said you have the right to digitally disappear which means you can literally go to Google and say, I want to exercise my right. If people search for me, I don't want them to find my LinkedIn page. I don't want them to find my Facebook page. I don't want them to find my address. And I think that's grand. I think we really, we really, really need to do that. And my second rant was just to raise the question. We're all about smart devices now. I knew, I knew my, I have a code. I can unlock my door with my iPhone. I can unlock my garage door. I can control my smoke detectors. Your pacemaker now is all. But who's updating these things? There is no plan to update or upgrade. And as they become obsolete and as they become hacked, what's our future going to be? I mean, look how many times our operating systems were upgraded, uh, Adobe and, and Flash, the main programs we use. All this other smart technology is being produced and we, we buy it and we're not registered. No one knows how to get a hold of us. What if somebody hacks the particular brand of front door that you bought? What if somebody, the first murder that takes place when somebody hacks into a pacemaker and can kill somebody? It's just a concern of mine. There's not much written on it. No one's really looking at it as we continue to get smart devices. Well, Steve, thanks for talking to us today. It's always one of my favorite interviews, and I enjoy your class so much. Um, I read that you're going to be starting a pastor's retreat soon, and hopefully next year when we talk to you at ISC 2015 in San Antonio, we'll hear all about that. If you'd like to sign up for a free subscription to Christian Computing Magazine, Christian Video Magazine, and American Church Magazine, just visit the website that you see there on the screen. And don't forget to sign up for Steve Hewitt's What's Hot class at next year's conference. If you'd like to learn more about ISE 2015, just click the links below and watch the videos. And we'll see you at next year's conference in San Antonio, Texas.